essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. wrestling fans and welcome to another edition of the scumbags wrestling podcast my name is sean coming to you from london ontario canada i want to thank you for liking and subscribing to this show whether you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, spotify stitcher itunes or wherever you happen to get your podcasts from we are now part of the ontario indie wrestling podcast network and we're covering ontario from one end to the other whether it's through information event listings interviews or attending events live you can always get up-to-date information on your favorite ontario organization through the ontario indie wrestling podcast network look us up online at oiwpodcastnetwork.ca over on facebook twitter or instagram i'll be right back after these short messages with today's program Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. Hello, what is up everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast, home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling we also discuss a lot of other things WWE AEW every once in a while we throw in New Japan and ROH be sure you're checking out our show we are available on most major podcasts and platforms especially on Apple Podcasts Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or Facebook.com slash Ocho and Ortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now let's get you back to your regular programming. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back to the show. Like we normally do each week, we check in on the Ontario independent wrestling scene, and we start off with Smash Wrestling. Smash Wrestling is returning to Toronto after a lengthy time away since this past summer, with any given Sunday 8 happening this Sunday, February 23rd, at the Rec Room in Toronto. It is a stack card that includes a couple of tag team matches. It will also have an intergender match, a women's title match, and of course the Smash Wrestling Championship will be on the line. So let's take a look at the card. Fair Country takes on Main State Posse. Two new tag teams to the scene in Smash Wrestling. I'm not sure who they are too much, but from what I've seen a little bit of them by searching on YouTube, I'm going to go with Fair Country in this one. Then, it's a team that I know really well, 
in Baywatch, the lifeguard on duty, Josh Pine, along with the wave maker, Kyle Boone, taking on the Philly and Marino experience. They were part of the tag team tournament last year and were really impressive. So this should be an awesome match between these two tag teams. And because they're local and I know them, I'm going to go with Baywatch taking the victory in this one. Then there's Psycho Mike Rollins taking on the wild child, Jody Threat. This is a hard one to choose from because I like both of them. They're both intense, but they're also both funny, especially Psycho Mike. Will he have the conscience with him? Will it interfere? Will the magic lamp be around? Will that become a factor? I don't know what to expect, but I do know it's going to be an entertaining match. I am going to go with Psycho Mike Rollins picking up the victory over Jody Threat. Then there'll be a triple threat match involving TJ Crawford, Sebastian Suave, and John Greed. John Greed and Sebastian Suave were former tag team partners in the Overdogs. I'm not too sure who TJ Crawford is. I think in this case, John Green might have a little bit of help uh, somewhere nearby, and he's going to pick up the victory in this triple threat match. Then, in a match that's sure to be hard-hitting and jaw-dropping at the same time, I personally would either put it as the opener or the closer of the first half. And that's going to be Tarek taking on Speedball Mike Bailey. Speedball Mike Bailey had won the Northern Tournament and could have possibly been the Smash Wrestling Champion had it not been for an injury that happened during the weekend of Super Showdown 7. However, that was then, this is now, and he's taking on the former champion in Tarek. I'm going to go with Tarek to take the victory in this match. The Women's Championship will be on the line as Rosemary makes her second title defense against Veda Scott. Veda Scott is known as Miss Canusa in this area, as she's been at every Canusa Classic, win or lose, she's represented the United States really well. She's taking on Rosemary, the first ever Smash Wrestling Women's Champion. I don't think it's time for the title to be switching hands, and I'm going to keep with Rosemary holding that belt a lot longer. And then it's the main event. You'll see the remix of professional wrestling. Kevin Bennett defend the Smash Wrestling Championship against the King of the North, Carter Mason. Carter Mason survived a brutal feud with Tyson Dukes and knighted Tyson with a door here in London just a few weeks ago. Now, he is the new number one contender for the Smash Wrestling Championship, and he's facing the remix. I think, even though I saw Tarek win the title, and I saw Kevin Bennett win the title in Toronto, this will be another time that I see a new Smash Wrestling Champion in the King of the North, Carter Mason. He will not only be the King of the North, he'll be the King of Smash Wrestling. And that all goes down this Sunday, February 23rd, Smash Wrestling returning to Toronto at the Rec Room for any given Sunday 8. Get your tickets now, join me on Facebook as we count down the matches Give some predictions. You can join me. Follow along. We'll check in before the show starts, during the intermission, and do a wrap-up after the show. So that's also going to happen on Facebook Live. Join me, and let's be a part of the show. Shock Stock 2020 is coming to the Ramada London on May 1st to the 3rd the new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near, as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills, with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it.
If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Some breaking news for you. As I was about to move on to Midwestern Wrestling, Smash Wrestling posted that they're coming back to Toronto on April 25th and London on April 26th. They'll be in the rec room in Toronto on the 25th, London Music Hall on the 26th, and this will be New School Wrestling and Smash Wrestling going against each other in two nights of competitive action. If you'd like to be a part of the Scumbags Wrestling section, please contact me as soon as possible, and I will be picking up tickets while in Toronto during any given Sunday 8. VIP tickets are starting at $45, and you can contact me through our Scumbags Wrestling page on Facebook, and I accept e transfers to make your payment secure if you'd like a ga seat please let me know and i'll work on getting ga seats for our group as well now actually moving on to midwestern wrestling midwestern wrestling staff would like to thank everybody who came out to parkview gardens for family day and met up with sabrina kyle and dylan andrews it was a great afternoon full of family fun and they look forward to welcoming you again to parkview gardens on March 28th for their second show in company history. On that night, you're going to see Nova taking on Sabrina Kyle, Muscle going one-on-one with Corey Stone, Psycho Mike Rollins, backed by popular demand, takes on the endorsement Sebastian Suave. The Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, will go against the Night Train, Just Insane. There'll be a triple threat tag team match featuring The Revolt, Halal Beefcake, and the team of Randy Bino and Nathan Newton. Plus, the first ever Midwestern Wrestling Champion will be crowned. Two of the pillars of Ontario Wrestling are going to go head-to-head for this prestigious title. Will it be the wrestling machine Tyson Dukes or Mr. Punchkick Chop Tarek? You can only find out by being there live on March 28th when Midwestern Wrestling returns to Listable for their second show and crowning a brand new champion. Contact us for tickets or go directly to the Midwestern Wrestling Facebook and webpage for more details. Looking at the Ontario Indie Road Trip calendar for this week, on Sunday, February 23rd, if you're not in Toronto for any given Sunday 8 at the Rec Room, you can always be in Copetown for Hamilton Wrestling Entertainment as they present Pop-Up. Looking into next week, on Saturday, February 29th, 365 Pro Wrestling returns to Kitchener at the Alpine Club, featuring Eazy-E, Eric Kearney, BMD, Sabrina Kyle, Rip Impact, Joey Allen, and more. Also on the 29th, Bordertown Pro Wrestling celebrate their second anniversary with Uprising in Fort Erie. Great Northern Wrestling comes to Smith Falls, and they have a jam-packed card featuring the Face of Fear, Haku, and Barbarian. They'll also be taking on Two Cold Scorpio and a partner. Acclaim Pro Wrestling comes to Ottawa on February 29th for a return to the Danger Zone. Then on March 1st, Championship Wrestling from Ontario returns to the NV Nightclub in Brantford for NVS. And wrapping up this week's calendar, on Sunday, March 1st, Pro Wrestling Eclipse will return to Oshawa with a very special seminar featuring Rhino, followed by a jam-packed card event. For all the details of these cards, you can check out the Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube. It's back, London, the second annual Heatwave Hot Sauce Expo, presented by Hot Sauces Unlimited. On Saturday, February 29th, 
at Centennial Hall. Heatwave Hot Sauce Expo is southwestern Ontario's home of the heat. Enjoy hot sauces and spicy foods from over 40 international producers. All vendors provide free samples or up the ante and buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you like. Vegan food options are also available. With hundreds of hot sauces to choose from, it's a chili head's wonderland. Plus, fans attending get a totally unique experience of hot entertainment with eating competitions, chili cookouts, live podcasts, cooking demos, and a world record setting feat of heat. The event it will be licensed with craft beer and spirits available for consumption to pair with the perfect sauce for fans of spice or those seeking an afternoon in the heat. Heat Wave is the place to be. The next Heat Wave takes place Saturday, February 29th, 2020 at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, presented by Hot Sauces Unlimited. For more information, go to heatwaveexpo.com. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. This past Wednesday's AEW Dynamite came to us from State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, as usual, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross were the broadcast team, and the match that started things off was the Tag Team Battle Royal. All the members of the teams were on the floor. Justin Roberts introduced them all. There was the Young Bucks, Jurassic Express, Stronghearts, Butcher and Blade, Best Friends, John Silver and Alex Reynolds representing Dark Order, The Hybrid Two, Private Party, Ortiz and Santana of the Inner Circle, and SCU represented by Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. When the bell rang, all the teams got into the ring except for Ortiz and Santana who watched from the outside. But I think I also saw that um, the guys from representing Dark Order, which was um, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. They were outside, too, hanging out near uh, where the Dark Order were. Anyways, all the other teams got in the ring. They started fighting. Scorpio Sky went to the top rope, dove onto everybody, and they all fell down like dominoes. Jack Evans attempted the same thing, and when he uh, landed, they all caught him. And instead of falling down, they just dumped him to the outside. Then there was an interruption by the Dark Order pitchman and said that the Exalted One is always watching and nearby. But they also mentioned that Christopher Daniels is nowhere to be seen. So they're still playing that up. Who knows if it's going to be Christopher Daniels, if it's going to be Jeff, I mean Matt Hardy, if he comes. I even saw somewhere that possibly Raven was watching uh, in the stands. So... They're throwing a lot of red herrings out there. You never know what it's going to end up being. But this was enough to distract SCU, which were taken out by uh, Reynolds and Silver. But before they could celebrate, the Young Bucks ended up kicking them out of the ring too. That's when Santana Ortiz finally made it into the ring. Luchasaurus uh, went after Sima and got rid of him. His partner, T-Hawk, had already been eliminated earlier. Bunny ended up climbing onto the apron to distract Jurassic Express, and the Butcher and Blade uh, took out Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. There was a moment when the Butcher and Luchasaurus were actually uh, almost nose-to-nose challenging each other like two bulls, so they're forwarding stuff on that line. We ended up also seeing the Dark Order, who was still hanging around, offer Sima a mask to join them, he looked at it, he didn't say no, and he left carrying it, so it looks like he's contemplating whether or not his life needs a new direction and is going to join the Dark Order. Santana and Ortiz end up uh, eliminating Private Party, and Luchasaurus was thrown over the top rope by four guys. The best friends delivered the soul food half and half to Santana, and Blade attempted to throw Trent over the top rope, but Orange Cassidy popped out of nowhere and saved Trent from going out. Blade was eliminated next, and Trent got back into the, the ring. That's when Bunny came over and distracted Orange Cassidy and even uh, gave him a knee to the groin area. 
And while he went down, Trent got eliminated. Trent and Matt Jackson end up teaming up to give the Butcher a super kick. And they end up giving each other a hug, which was a huge plop, uh, pop from the fans. The Butcher then came back with a uh, clothesline to both of them. And Jim Ross pointed out that the Butcher and Blade and the Best Friends seem to be uh, developing a rivalry. And that comes to fruition as next week, I believe, they're going against each other. So Mac Jackson was able to then get rid of uh, the Butcher. It left him alone with Santana Ortiz. He ended up giving a super kick to Ortiz and got him out of the ring. And that's when uh, Sammy Guevara jumped from the top rope and got hit with a super kick, much like how Shawn Michaels hit Shelton Benjamin years ago. So it was to that same sort of degree, which is really visually nice to see. And uh, yeah, then Matt Jackson was able to eliminate Santana making the Young Bucks the new number one contenders to face the AEW Tag Team Champions at Revolution. We'd find out later on who they would face at Revolution as the Tag Team titles were on the line, with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending against the Lucha Brothers. Next thing we saw was Cody and Brandy arriving along with Pharaoh, and they have a big match to get ready for as Cody was going to be in the main event with the steel cage match there was a half decent match with shanna taking on chris statlander they did the whole poking in the nose thing yeah i don't get it jim ross kind of shut excalibur down when he tried explaining that supposedly chris statlander landed in area 51 and escaped from there and that's why she's from an alien uh, race and all that and yeah jr just didn't want anything to do with it and shut it down um, they had a match against each other. Britt Baker was on commentating, and she even brought Tony Schiavone a cup of coffee with his name misspelt on it, and his face was on it. Then, for some unknown reason, JR went on a little tangent after there was a little bit of pie face action going on, and he's like, Why does it always have to be pie faced? Why can't it be cake? I happen to like cake. I don't get it, don't understand it, but he did it, and yeah, it just seems a little out there. He doesn't want to listen to anything about this supposed alien, but he goes off on a tangent about pie and cake. The ending came with Chris Statlander hitting the Big Bang Theory on Shanna to get the pinfall. Then we saw a recap of the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, winning the championship last week from Rio. Nyla Rose was then interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He mentioned about what happened the week before, and she wasn't too happy about how she was being greeted by the fans. She said that she broke uh, Rio last week, and she's now the queen bee around AEW, and that nobody can beat her. And that's when Chris Statlander came from the ring and got in her face, started pointing her little finger at her, Big Swole came out and started flexing in front of her. Security got there and got everybody separated before anything happened. The next match was John Moxley against Jeff Cobb. Taz was out there for commentating, and they also then were joined by Jericho, Guevara, and Swagger, or Hager, should I say. And they were at ringside showing off their front row tickets to watch this match. Taz was actually impressed by Cobb's suplexes, but Moxley was trying to chop his way out of it, and yeah, they went back and forth a lot. Uh, Cobb even hit a headbutt to Moxley. The majority of the match was dominated by Cobb over Moxley, and it wasn't until a superplex off the top rope where Moxley caught Cobb's foot and rolled him up for the pin. Did Mox really get anything significant into the match he was immediately jumped by Guevara Jericho and Hager and that's when Dustin Rhodes came down to try to make the save the numbers were too big for him and Darby Allen came out and made the save finally using a skateboard as a weapon to scare everybody off he even had signs with him and so when they did the pitcher and pitcher he got to see what he was addressing with Sammy Guevara and he's still playing up that he doesn't have a voice but they're getting ready for a revolution in a week and a half. The AEW Tag Team titles were online as Page and Omega defended against Lucha Brothers. 
this was a very long match. They didn't really pay attention to the ref's supposed 10 count because the ref didn't really do much of a 10 count. Um, there was a moment when the Buckshot Lariat was hit on Omega because I think it was Phoenix got out of the way. But in the end, they ended up working together and there was like a V-Trigger uh, Buckshot Lariat combination with Omega being able to pick up the victory for the team. Or actually, no, Paige made the uh, pinfall for that t- for the team, then went out and got a beer to celebrate. The Young Bucks came down, Paige had left, and Omega went with the new number one contenders, the Young Bucks. So they keep on setting up this pull between what Omega is going to end up doing and these four are going to go against each other at Revolution. There was a segment with the uh, merchandising officer, I believe her name is Dana Massey. And she uh, did a sneak peek and presented the uh, new figures, the first uh, line of them from Wicked Cool Toys of the um, AEW collection. And they're due out in the summer, I believe, of uh, this year. And you saw people like the Young Bucks, Jericho, Cody, and uh, Brandy, and Kenny Omega all get presented with their figures and them surprised at how well they end up looking the main event came up next and it was the cage match um obviously mjf came to the ringside with wardlow cody came out and he was accompanied by arn anderson brandy and um in this case they weren't doing the escape the cage uh, rule it had to be a pinfall or submission in the cage and that was the only way of getting a victory at one point, uh, Cody was near the door, and he had already gotten cut open by his face being used on the fence by Wardlow, and it looked like he was trying to escape, or just the way he fell, and MJF came over to look like he was going to slam the door, but then he started yelling at Arn Anderson, trying to encourage him to do the same thing he did to Dusty on behalf of Ric Flair, and it looked like Arn was contemplating it, and going to do it, he grabbed the door, and instead of swinging it to the right, he swung it to the left and took out uh, MJF. Wardlow attempted a powerbomb. Cody escaped, hit three clotheslines, and it wasn't enough. He had a power slam on Wardlow for a near fall. Cody climbed to the top rope, but Wardlow caught him with the right hand, and the military pressed him into the cage. Wardlow then hit Cody with a sent on for a two count and this really impressed Tony Schiavone especially for the size of who Wardlow is or what Wardlow has. Cody then uh, returned with a uppercut and a crossroads for a two count on Wardlow as when Cody looked up and climbed up to the top of the cage and hit a moonsault off the top of the cage onto Wardlow to get the three count and that was basically the end of the show. There's a clip after the show that's floating around on uh, social media where Cody thanked the fans wanting them to stay around for uh, Dynamite or Dark should I say uh, to be recorded afterwards and he just gave praise to the fans who encouraged him and especially after he had a really rocky start he also reminded people of Dusty and Rick having their battles years ago in Atlanta and really thank the fans for being there to support AEW and him through all this. And that's where they left off with one more episode, I think. Yeah, one more episode leading into the Revolution pay-per-view happening on February 29th. That'll be coming to us from the Wintrust Arena in downtown Chicago, Illinois. There are currently five matches on the card, including Darby Allen against Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager taking on Dustin Rhodes, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page defending the tag team titles against the Young Bucks, MJF against Cody, and Chris Jericho defending the AEW World Championship against John Moxley. Of course, there's probably going to be at least a women's um, title defense from Nyla Rose, and I would expect something happening in the tag team area with possibly Butcher and Blade and Best Friends 
and maybe even something with SCU and the Dark Order, and they finally reveal who the Exalted One is at Revolution. So that's what's going on with AEW. As of right now, we have one more episode before Revolution. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Taking a look back at what the results were for this week's WWE events, WWE had NXT do a Sunday night takeover on the WWE Network. It was from Portland, so it was an NXT takeover Portland. came to us from the Moda Center. Unlike other takeover cards, this one had six matches on it, and the event began with Keith Lee defending the North American Championship against Dominic Dijakovic. The match began hot when Lee hit a Hurricanrana on Dijakovic for a massive ovation. The match became hard-hitting from there on. Lee hit three Grizzly Magnums to Dijakovic on the outside that were heard all across the arena. Dijakovic would then bounce back, hitting a springboard senton bomb on Lee to the outside. They traded back and forth a lot of uh, near falls. Keith Lee then hit a spirit bomb on Dominic, but he ended up landing on his feet. Lee would then hit another spirit bomb for a close fall. Dijakovic would go on to hit a massive super Spanish fly for the near fall. That was like from the top rope and them doing it. For guys their size, they should not be doing this. Dijakovic then went for the feast of your eyes, uh, but his back ended up giving out due to the size of Keith Lee and everything that he's already gone through in the match. This allowed Lee to hit a big bang a catastrophe on Dijakovic to retain the title and getting the victory. After the match, the two showed respect for each other, and that was a really good way of starting off a takeover. The street fight between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai was up next. They used so many different weapons like chairs, trash cans, laptops. Uh, even a cricket bat uh, got brought out. Um, in the end, Knox gave uh, Kai the shiniest wizard and wasn't done. Knox had uh, Kai propped up on the table with a chair wrapped around Kai's neck. But that's when all of a sudden uh, Raquel Gonzalez, I'm not overly sure who she was. All I remember is she was, uh, I guess, part of May Young Classic, the second one I think it was. And she slammed uh, Knox through the table, uh, allowing Dakota to get the pinfall on uh, Tegan Knox for the victory. The next matchup was Johnny Gargano against Finn Balor. Uh, I picked Gargano to get this, thinking, you know, he needs the momentum going forward. He's just coming back from possible injury and wanting that NXT uh, championship. But so does uh, Finn Balor. And in the end, Gargano hit Gargano. Uh, shotgun dropkick to Balor to, into the barricades. Balor uh, reciprocated that same shotgun dropkick of his own and then hit a coup de grace in 1916 to pick up the victory over Gargano. Rhea Ripley successfully defended the NXT Women's Championship against Bianca Belair when Ripley hit the Riptide to retain at the end of the match, Charlotte Flair came out and attacked uh, Ripley and Belair, and she ended up accepting Ripley's challenge to go after the NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36, since she was the 2020 uh, Royal Rumble winner and could choose whoever she goes against. In what I feel was probably the match of the night was the uh, Undisputed Era, uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, Going against the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic uh, winners, Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne for the NXT Championships. Due to winning the Dusty Classic, they got themselves an automatic title shot. While 
these two have really gelled well, meaning the Broserweights. They've done a lot of uh, great uh, promos and videos that are uh, entertaining. And the, for a team that was just thrown together, it's really cool how they got it, uh, paired up and are gelling. But this match was full of high-risk uh, spots and physical double-team action. Near the end, Riddle uh, ran in accidentally and gave Dunn a spear, but Fisher and O'Reilly uh, then capitalized by hitting Dunn with a uh, chasing the dragon for uh, almost pinfall. Dunn then fought out and hit uh, high-low on... Actually, Dunn fought out of the high-low and uh, made the hot tag to Riddle. Riddle uh, tossed O'Reilly into Dunn's insiguri, and Riddle uh, and Dunn got the victory and our new tag team champions for NXT. So the Undisputed Era is down to now just one title since Keith Lee took the North American title from Roderick Strong. Now the Broserweights have the tag team titles from Undisputed Era. And that took us to our main event, which was Adam Cole defending the uh, NXT Championship against Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa wanted to get Goldie back. This was one of his first matches back after or first attempted the title after coming back from injury where he had to actually drop the title. Cole and uh, Ciampa worked really well together and they did so many uh, different maneuvers. There's just too many to list. And it went for a good 20 minutes before the Undisputed Era uh, came down to interfere. And Ciampa was able to uh, fight them off. Cole, however, uh, delivered three super kicks and a another last shot for an almost near fall. Cole then shoved uh, Ciampa into the referee and hit a low blow on Ciampa. Uh, Ciampa was able to fight back and hit the fairy tale ending, but because the ref had gotten bumped, there was nobody there to count the pinfall. Next thing you know, Johnny Gargano was coming uh, back and told Ciampa uh, to use the NXT Championship as a weapon only for Gargano to then pull it away. It was a weird moment. A few seconds uh, later, Gargano hit uh, Ciampa in the head with the title, basically turning heel. They never did get to finish off their uh, feud that was should have come to a head last year at WrestleMania, so now they're in reversal roles and probably going ahead with their final match coming up at WrestleMania weekend, but because of the uh, shot that Gargano gave to Ciampa in the head with the title, it allowed Cole to uh, cover Ciampa and win the match and retain the championship. For NXT, this led us to Wednesday night when they uh, were on USA Network for their two hours. Velveteen Dream ended up interrupting the Undisputed Era. The NXT uh, Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin defeated Leo Rush in a match that was about 18 to 20 minutes, uh, and Devlin retained. Tommaso Ciampa then addressed Johnny Gargano's actions against him at uh, TakeOver. Ciampa ended up sending a message to Johnny Gargano with an unfortunate Austin Theory being the recipient of that message, and... Ciampa then ended up beating up Austin Theory, and then Ciampa then focused on his addressing Gargano. He said they had tunnel vision and wanted to get his life back by reclaiming Goldie, and that distracted him from listening to the usual instincts, and then he was able to trust Gargano, but he shouldn't have. The Grizzly Young Vets were still in North America, and they uh, defeated Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. The new NXT champion, tag team champions, uh, the Broserweights, defeated Ole Larkin and Danny Burch. Keith Lee attempted to address the audience about his match with Dajakovic, but he was interrupted by Kona Reeves, and that was a big mistake, and Reeves took a massive pounce by the uh, Lemonous uh, Superstar and got beat by Keith Lee. But before Keith could celebrate, Dijakovic ended up coming out and said he wasn't uh, happy and wasn't ready to move on, even though he could not defeat Keith Lee at uh, TakeOver. 
And he said, since the fans want them to fight forever, he's willing to do that again if the, uh, NXT management, William Regal, uh, would see it his way and book that match again. Chelsea Green got a victory over Caden Carter, and Bianca Belair came out and called out Charlotte Flair. So they're going to have a match next Wednesday on NXT. The main event saw Velveteen Dream take on Roderick Strong. Strong said for the Undisputed Era to uh, stay at the back and not be there. Uh, throughout the match, there was going back and forth, and it looked like Dream was going to set up for the uh, Purple Rainmaker. So Undisputed Era came out for a little distraction, and that distraction, though, wasn't enough. Velveteen Dream was able to hit a second uh, Dream Valley driver to get the victory. Unfortunately, that wasn't the end of things. Dream then revealed another pair of uh, pants with the uh, picture of Roderick Sean's wife, Marina Shafir, on it. And before he could really do anything and flaunt them, Undisputed Era descended upon Dream and beat him up really bad to end the show. Dream might have gotten the victory, but he ended up uh, suffering the, at the end for his uh, going after Maria Shafir. So that was basically the NXT for this week. As you know, there's going to be the Charlotte-Bianca Belair match this Wednesday. And they're going to gear up for another takeover during WrestleMania week. Hey wrestling fans, join me on the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. We cover everything from the Ontario Independent Wrestling scene, AEW, WD, and everything in between. We're available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere you get podcasts from. Don't miss the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression, and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Looking at quick results for Raw and SmackDown leading into this week's Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia, Randy Orton attacked Matt Hardy, and this took up like 20 minutes. Hardy... Uh, was not cleared by the officials to actually have a match and still came down. Randy just kept on saying he was sorry, he was sorry. But then after he left, he took off his vest at the top of the ramp. Matt had got himself a chair to defend himself, knowing that Randy was going to come back. Randy did come back, thwarted uh, the chair shot, and put Hardy's neck across the ropes. Then he ended up going for a concerto, stopped, came back, took out the stairs, did the concerto twice on the stairs, and kept on saying he was sorry, as then the EMTs came to cart Matt Hardy out. There were some fans uh, chanting one more time when they got hit with the chair and the RKO and everything, so Hardy may or may not have some fans in the arena that night, but he's doing the uh, Kevin Blackwood unkillable uh, shtick right now. Who knows if his contract is up and if he's leaving or if he's uh, staying around we'll have to wait and see. Alistair Black defeated Eric Rowan. This was maybe a little bit of a surprise because you know, this is the biggest guy that Alistair Black has gone against uh, that's not an enhancement talent, but yeah, Alistair Black picked up the victory with Black Mass. Charlotte Flair addressed the NXT uh, Women's Championship, uh, Rhea Ripley. The 24-7 title had been somewhat on the line or uh, gotten after at one of the Funko Pop uh, factories, and neither uh, Truth or Mojo Raleigh could get the title away from uh, Riddick Moss at that time. And that set up a regular triple threat match in the arena with everybody else being banned from trying to zoom in and take it. But R Riddick Moss, going to get used to that name, Riddick Moss ended up defeating R-Truth and Mojo to retain the 24-7 title. And he ran through the uh, crowd to escape any other 
potential people coming after him. Drew McIntyre uh, came out to the ring and he did the whole need to point at the sign and talking about his match against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He was interrupted by Paul Heyman, who then ended up bringing out MVP. MVP um, felt like he was betrayed by a friend in Drew McIntyre, and they went against each other with Drew picking up the victory. Shayna Baszler confronted uh, Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Becky had come out with a fistful of cash in a brown paper bag, said that that was going to be her down payment for the violence that she's going to uh, inflict on Shayna Baszler. And Shayna, uh, on the video screen, said she didn't intend to bite, but that's what happened, and she's going to go through the Elimination Chamber, win it, and go against Becky at WrestleMania. Bobby Lashley and Angel Garza were both backstage with Selena Vega and Lana. Lana made it seem as though there was going to be a double date-ish type uh, tag team match. And Vega had to remind her that they're not a couple, her and Garza. And then uh, they took on the team of Rusev and Humberto Carrillo. Bobby Lashley and Garza picked up the victory in this one. Then the WWE Tag Team cha- uh, Women's Tag Team Champions uh, came out, and Carrie Zane went against uh, Natalia. She ended up beating Natalia by a countout thanks to some interference by Oscar. So it might look like Natalia is going to have to find herself a tag team partner to go after the Kabuki Warriors. Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders crashed Seth Rollins' sermon. Seth wanted to uh, say that it wasn't his choice to call his sermon, but. They had candles and everything going on, and he said that people are going to have to learn the hard way and be reformed or and crucified if need be. Ricochet defeated Carl Anderson. Ricochet had uh, basically interrupted uh, AJ Styles and his uh, and the OC, and instead of AJ going against Ricochet, Carl Anderson ended up stepping up and doing it, but he lost. The main event saw Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders taking on uh, Murphy and the AOP. That uh, match ended in disqualification thanks to Seth Rollins' interference. And then the Street Profits came down to help uh, advance the odds in this case. And they scared away Seth Rollins and his crew to end the show. Quickly over at SmackDown, the Usos and New Day defeated The Miz and John Morrison. Dal Sigler and Robert Roode. Braun Strowman and Elias defeated Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro in a Symphony of Destruction match. There was a whole bunch of different instruments. Uh, drums were there. Sami Zayn had a ukulele that he used to hit Braun Strowman with. There was a piano at ringside. And yeah, Braun and Elias picked up the victory. The Bella Twins were then brought out for a moment of bliss. And it was announced that they're going to be part of the induction to the Hall of Fame this year uh, in April. So now we have the Bella Twins, Batista, and uh, the original members of the NWO. Dana Bryan defeated Heath Slater. Naomi defeated Carmella to earn her way uh, to face Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship at Super Showdown. So that's going to be the women's match that happens this Thursday. But now WWE's been able to get at least one on there since Lacey Evans and Natalya went against each other at the last Saudi Arabia show. And Goldberg uh, came out to address The Fiend, and The Fiend came up from behind. Goldberg uh, didn't want uh, to play any games, basically, with Fiend, and ended up spearing him. As he set up for another spear, the lights went out and the fiend disappeared. And that's where things ended up as we go into Saudi Arabia for a super showdown. Quickly running down the card for uh, Saudi show on this Thursday on the WWE Network. I'm going to make my picks as well. So the New Day are going to defend the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against Miz and Morrison. I see new champions. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy are going to... Or should I just say Murphy, are going to take on the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Team titles. I don't see the titles changing here. Bailey's going to retain the uh, 
women's title from SmackDown against Naomi. There's the gauntlet match featuring AJ Styles, Andrade, Bobby Lashley, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, and Rusev. I see AJ Styles uh, coming out with the victory and having that uh, trophy so he can be with the OC with their trophy from uh, Saudi Arabia. Roman Reigns is going to go against King Corbin in a steel cage match. Reigns should hopefully win this one and end it once and for all. Brock Lesnar is going to retain his WWE Championship against Ricochet. And this one's up in the air, but I think The Fiend will still find a way to beat Goldberg to retain the Universal Championship. So that's happening on the WWE Network this Thursday. This concludes another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me as you do each and every week. Like and share this, whether you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or anywhere else. We're also a part of the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network, where you can catch a lot of great shows and interviews from really talented guys from all across Ontario. And be sure to catch me throughout the day in Toronto live on Facebook Live, as I'm going to be at Smash Wrestling's any given Sunday 8 We'll be there, and love to have your feedback. If you're at the show, come on over and say hi. I'm going to be meeting up with uh, James from Ringside with Chops, and we're going to have some analysis of the card. So until next time, have a great week. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night's